Get to the church, blind! Get to the church, blind! Go! Now! I'm Pete Mitchell, and he's Peyton Jones, and you're listening to Hardcore Church Planning, the companion podcast for the Church Planner Podcast and Church Planner Magazine. Each week, we'll bring you interviews from planners who are in the trenches making it happen right now. These active church planners bear it all, share their successes, their failures, and what they'd wish they'd known when they were first starting out. Listen in to discover how God is working in their church plan. Hey, church planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. Coming to you for Hardcore Church Planning, our midweek podcast. And uh, Peyton, why don't you just go ahead and introduce the guest? All right. Well, my guest today is Daniel Williams, and he is in Delray, Florida. Delray Beach, right? Correct. Delray Beach, Florida. And uh, Daniel is a church planner, and we want to interview him today a little bit about a unique way that he is making inroads into the community. And so, Daniel, welcome, man. Good to have you on the show. I am so honored to be here right now. He's honored. That'll go really quick. Yeah. (laughs) He's already seen behind the curtain in another interview as he sat quietly and didn't back me up on my cartoon references. All I did was laugh. We're not going to hold that against you. It's totally cool. But at least you knew the cartoon references. That's what's important in my book. (laughs) If you say so. So uh, normally Pete likes to, I I have to cue Pete these days. I have to cue him up for his question. So normally Pete likes to ask these questions. So I'll back out now and leave you two alone to talk about it. I appreciate that, Pete. And if you would have just let me talk, I would have gone right into the question. Oh, see, that was... There's been touching. There's been touching on the Hardcore Church Planner podcast. I'm uncomfortable This now. is why we do the podcast via the internet. <laughs> I don't have to worry about being touched, probed, felt, or anything. I occasionally virtually touch you, but... I, I still... I'm very uncomfortable with on Facebook. They still do those pokes, you know, yeah. where you can poke someone. What do you, you do with that? told me that. I don't know. That's very uncomfortable <laughs> to me. It says, here are people you should poke. I'm uncomfortable with that. I just wanted to include you because I know you're going to ask this question and you just not pay attention at all. No, I pay attention. Oh, just, I just don't get to talk after the question. Oh, From now true. on, when I have to cue you for your question, you're getting a poke. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's the question. Moving on. <clears throat> Why don't you tell us your story of how you came to faith and how you got involved in planting a church? Okay, great. Um, I'm actually a PK. My dad grew up as, well, a church planner, really. Wow. He came from California and went up to Washington State with another guy. And um, my brother was two, and uh, the guy left. Oh, it was it was pretty epic. He didn't he didn't have any opportunity to teach the Bible. He just wanted to serve the Lord. The guy left, and he. Took over the church when I was a wee baby. So from the time I was born, all I knew my dad was a uh, was a pastor. And so, as all good pastor kids do, we rebel and try to figure things out. And in my teenage year, I had saw my parents love Jesus. They were had all the integrity, everything they did, everything right. But yet, I had to make my own decision. Mm. And so, um, my God was basketball. I grew up in the hood. Tacoma, Washington, right outside of Seattle. And um, I was actually homeschooled my entire life. And that wasn't because my parents were afraid of the culture. It was literally because outside um, we were seeing people get shot or beat up. And 
those type of things. And my mom had a teaching degree, so she just uh, taught us the Lord and taught us education. And I still needed to see if that actually was was real life. Yeah. So playing a lot of basketball, having my own God, doing my stuff. And um, I finally went to a, a larger church on a mission trip and saw the love of God for the first time. Uh, we, man, setting up church with my dad. I mean, they just got their own building. We did community center church. We rented places. We did all that different stuff. And um, I wanted an opportunity to serve God, do something. Um, so I went to this other church with the youth group, and I just realized, wow, I'd never seen other kids my own age in the context of loving Jesus. I'd always seen my parents. I'd always seen other people in our church, but it's a small church plan of 50, you know. And so, and all these old people that, they're not like me. I'm different. Mm. And to see the Holy Spirit work amongst people that you know that are changing people's lives. It was like the first time I saw the love of God Mm. in someone my own age. And that radically changed everything because growing up as a pastor's kid, when you finally turn, like, you know, this is, it's all in. Yeah. So I knew that the heartaches of ministry, I, crazy story for you. My mom, I have distinct memories of watching Jay Leno all the time with my mom because we were mm-hmm. homeschooled. My dad had a second job for his entire, I mean, he's still pastoring and he just retired from that second job after 30 years. He worked swing shift. So my oh, parents man. literally homeschooled us to wake up at 11 or 12 every day. Wow. And we would stay up until midnight so that my way my dad could do ministry, you know, all that different stuff. So that that's my like contra, like that's my background. So when I turned and rebelled, I knew what I was turning and rebelling to. So when I went back, it was about 17 and next week I was teaching Bible studies. Wow. Taught, taught my first book of the Bible, James. Eventually me and my other friend, we accidentally planted a church yeah, at 17. Accidental. Uh, that's, that's the best way to do it, right? Absolutely. I went to all my gangster friends and the people that I hung out, hung out with my thugs and preached the gospel, got made fun of. Um, and it was just God's sovereign grace because two, three months later, that whole house got shot up. Um, there was retaliation, all that different stuff, and God just saved me from it. Um, hmm. So they made, made, made fun of me. They got mocked, but then they had to go down their path. I went down my path, and I actually learned how to play guitar over spring break. Hmm. I thought, it would be nice to have maybe some music. I'd never, I'd never raise my hands in worship. Like at 17, I'd grown up at church. I knew God was real, but I wasn't living for Jesus. So at 17, started teaching the Bible. There was a guy that came back from Bible college. He could teach the Bible a little bit better than I could, and I could sing a little bit better. So we ended up having this house of friends that were all unbelievers, and they got saved. And then we moved to a community center, and then we moved to this apartment building that we got. Then people started tithing to us and giving mm-hmm. us money, and you should really help. So that was at the age of 18. Uh, I got married at the age of 19 um, and then got my BA at business administration um, right at the age of 20. So I was very young and doing this stuff for the Lord. And I, I, I went into business administration because I, I, at that age already, I had that entrepreneurial like gift. Yeah. Okay. Because, you know, I things would just happen. I I don't know if it's because I got grew up in the church or it's just a gifting, but I am like, I think Christians are weird. I don't understand why they do what they do, and it just doesn't make sense to me. I'm like, you're weird. You're a, this is not normal. Why don't you go? Why aren't you normal? So, um, so you know, like I thought that was like okay. Well, I'm, I seen my dad work 
entire life, I'm going to get a degree, make some money, do whatever, and so I can support my family and then just right. serve the Lord however I want. Well, little did I know I was doing so much stuff for uh, another church um, a little bit down south right before I got my B.A. at uh, 21. They said, well, why don't we just pay you a little bit more and you could just keep on doing this, that stuff here. And so my dad's the pastor of Calvary Tacoma. I went to Calvary Olympia for seven years, which is a, the capital of Washington State, and uh, was there for seven years. <laughs> Was there for seven years, and even in youth pastoring, uh, seeing the seasons, doing all this different up training of people, uh, youth pastoring is very—it's you know people don't stay around for a while. So after you're in the game for a little bit, three, four years, I became the veteran, and we literally—I was working with 25 different churches and started a nonprofit and was doing venue things and having hundreds of kids saved mm-hmm. in our community, starting up just more stuff, and I guess. That's where the conflict started because all these, all these non-Christian kids started getting saved and going back into churches. I mean, there's, it was an incredible thing. We were working with 20 different denominations, right. just doing stuff. And, and I had the capacity to not only be the worship leader at this church, but do the youth pastoring. And, and I was about reaching lost people. So it was just a great time of growing. And then, um, and everything was going great. I mean, I'm sure you probably talked to a lot of people, you know, that I have an amazing wife. My wife and I now have been married for 12 years. You know, we love each other. We're best friends. We grew up with one another. I have two great kids and uh, great church. It was, there's about a thousand adults and there's probably about a thousand kids. You know, my, my youth, my youth group was bigger than my dad's church. Wow. You know, and never happens. Yeah, so it, we just saw a lot of fruit, a lot of ki- a lot of people going, and we would just go after. And then I realized, oh my gosh, why are all these Christians getting upset? They, these are people that are getting lost, like lost people coming to the yeah. kingdom. Yeah. And so um, just discipling them, everything was going good. We we're seeing all the different stuff, but I could tell. Yeah. I don't know how long this is going to be able to last. Right. <laughs> uh, and then that's when it that's when it hit is when God told me just to go, to leave, and so eventually. Um, through visions, through uh, God's word, he just started directing me and telling me that we were going to go and plant a church. He told me to plant church, plant a church, and plant churches. And um, you know, Holy Spirit, miraculous stuff, confirmation. Uh, we just left everything. Told mm. my pastor, and immediately um, the Holy Spirit just started moving. Simple things from you know. We had this house. I'm like, well, Lord, you better tell my wife because this is her dream house. She yeah, needs yeah, to sell yeah. it. And she's like, let's sell the house, you know, wow. and um, just miraculous things. So so we didn't know exactly where. So, so do you think God would get my wife to move if I prayed that? <laughs> Pete's busting to get out of SoCal. I hate Southern California. Dude, God could do anything. Just throwing He's that out there pray. for you. I keep telling you, you got to pray. Well, I, t- I try to tell people not to be biased, but God actually listens to my prayers. So I'm just throwing that out there. It's, it's, it's crazy. I'll talk to him like he's real and he responds. It's amazing. So like you're one of those crazy people that actually believes like God is real and he does stuff? Absolutely. Because I know my own self and the only reason that I am who I am, I laugh all the time that I am who I am because... I'm a pastor. <laughs> like, I, like I'm a church planner. Like that's that's just stupid because I know like my own heart. So if God could work in the miracle of me, pff, dude, having you move is easy. Yeah. Right. 
I don't know. You haven't met my wife. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so, it, it, so like, you, you know, you mentioned a lot about the Holy Spirit and church planning, and this is hardcore church planning, and the Holy Spirit has guided everything in, in my life and just loving Jesus. And mm. So it wasn't just, hey, we had this hunch to go or whatever. It was, it started off miraculous. Guy having a vision over me. I started having visions for first time. You know, I'm one of those guys, like I'll fast for 21 days. Right. Just do, mm. do, like seeking the right. Lord. And, you know, it, it's something I, you know, People get it, and then other people don't. You mystical, you did well. What we do is supernatural stuff. Yeah. So I have I have one of those unique, crazy stories where Peyton, we actually first met because God told me that I was going to go to um, a church planning training thing uh, six months before I was supposed to go, and my house wasn't even sold. God said you should go there, and when you go there, I will tell you where you're going to go. So everything lined up. Um, even so much so my pastor asked me to stay specifically even longer than I would you know I wanted to get out there he said stay and so I honored him lined up we actually met at the, the fit for the field yeah. training and uh, at that training I had a conversation with God audible and church planning was in there but when you're talking with God you move on to bigger better things yeah, yeah. and so um, he told me specifically by name Delray Beach Florida and we, we knew we were going to go to Florida. We knew we were going to minister to East Coast people. I had visions and verses about it. I knew there was going to be a downtown, which is very unique in Florida. Um, but the reality is, like, God met me where I was at to do something amazing. And that's always where I wanted to be. I, I didn't want to fake the funk. I saw the reality of ministry in life. And I needed God to, to really show up. So when I was uh, at this church planning course my family was homeless we were living in a one-bedroom dorm with my i don't know how old she is now to my two-year-old daughter five-year-old son and people were literally telling me where are you going and i said i don't know god's going to tell me there and he made it really for me anyway to to just really be a a platform to to the all those thousands of people that were you know are you going to go sign music are you going to do this and i had to be vulnerable and just say no god is doing all this stuff and I had to really convince people that I don't I didn't know what I was doing. There 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 is no strategy. My strategy even since then has been listen to God and obey. Mm. And so I knew he was going to speak to me there and then he spoke to me there. And at the end of this conversation I remember God saying, you know, Daniel, you know, I I, I literally it's sort of weird. I say I go, God, do you want me to keep on speaking to you this way or like go back to the Bible or what? You know, because I would say something and I hear something 30 seconds later, you know, and, and he goes, Daniel, hold on. Before we move on, I just want to let you know I love you. Mm. And then he goes, go to my word. I always speak to you through my word. And I open up. Same thing I was reading through my normal reading time. And it was the exact prophetic word and verse that I had before. Like, uh. you know, so just because you could really think you're crazy when you're one of those Holy Spirit guys. Yeah. It's. People, well, other people definitely think. <laughs> yes, but even us that the supernatural, question, yeah, yeah, they yeah. question, and you question yourself a lot because it's impossible to please God without faith. The Bible says, so He can show something up or give it to you literally right there, but you still have to exercise faith in your gifting and your calling, everything. So you have to trust God in that. Yeah. And so we left California, went up to uh, Washington State to get all of our stuff in the U-Haul, headed to Delray Beach four years ago. 
And uh, we've been there ever since, seeing Jesus do incredible, amazing things. So tell, that's, tell us a little bit about Delray Beach and um, you know what it's kind of known for. If you're if you're to you mentioned earlier, if you go up to someone under forty and ask yeah. them a couple questions, tell us a little bit about that. Okay, so <clears throat> I you talk about supernatural. I love Delray Beach. I feel like God prepared me just just for Delray Beach my entire life. It is it is a fluent area. It's right next to Boca Raton, which is sixty five percent residents are Jewish. It's very fluent. Um, it's very transient, and part of that transient community is not just uh, the rich, the affluent, not just the snowbirds that come for vacation, because it's all pleasure and sunny, right, and they have money to blow, but our community, Delray Beach, is the, the recovery uh, center of the world. So there are 3,000 A meetings going on per month. If you see someone like my age, I'm 32, just turned 32 last week, if you see someone my age or below, in my context, it's just normal to go up to someone, hey, where are you from? Because in Florida, no one's from Florida. Like, yeah. I, I tell people, I'm a Floridian. I just say it and just, I own that thing. But no one's from Florida. They always refer home to as Jersey, New York, all the East Coast, Upper yeah. East Coast, unchurched. So I say, hey, where are you from? And then I talk to them. Oh, and then I say, what was the drug of your choice? That's pretty much how it is. And that's not an unusual question. No, and it's totally normal. They're like, oh, yeah, you know, like it comes out, they're in recovery, and then it's totally normal just to be like, oh, so what was the drug of your choice? And people are like, oh, man, pills, heroin, oh, drugs. It was, I mean, it's totally transparent, totally open, and and everyone knows about it. And it's almost this sub-community that... It's just a different world. It's not reality. Mm. They they seek and they they hoard themselves. And there are not along with the recovery thing. There are call centers. It's the hub of call centers because mm. you don't have to have a background check. You can get there in two weeks and leave. Uh. So I mean, so my house. I have more like ex crackhead friends than people could ever imagine. And you would never know that with the life of Jesus and now being redeemed. But the reality is. Is like sin brings people into my community. So we've seen the power of the gospel drastically just change people's lives immediately. So recovery ministry is very much a part of how you guys connect with people. Um, what does that look like? Um, man, it just looks like loving people where they're at. Mm-hmm. Like we don't seek, you know, people target. And they, when I was leaving, they, they said, so are you going after and wallet? They always ask these strategy stuff like, what's your church going to be like? And I just say, whoever God brings. Mm. That's that's who my church is. I'm not in control. So if God brings that type of people, it's going to be that for those people. And mm-hmm. if he brings another group, which he does a lot, mm. then we use those gifts. And then that's the type of church where like gift driven, like the Holy Spirit gives Heard gifts to before. the church. Yeah. <laughs> so um, what was the question? Question was, what does it look like for you recovering? Oh, ministry? yeah. And, and maybe a better question to ask is, how did it start? Yeah. So. Yeah, the recovery ministry, a lot of people say that. And the reason I'm going on this big rant is because, dude, we don't have a recovery ministry. We have the gospel. That's so much better. Um, and so the first year we moved there, we were we had the stupidest strategy. We were a parachute. We didn't know a soul. There was one other guy that helped us, and he was actually doing a short-term mission trip in Israel. And I said, dude, just buy a one-way ticket to Orlando, and I will pick you up and because God's going to reveal to me what city we're going to be in by the time you're done. And so I picked him up in Orlando. We went to Delray Beach and we learned our culture and we just, all of our friends were non-safe people, just 
totally uh, met people, loved them, shared the gospel because we're all about reaching people for the lost of church planning, not being a young, cool, hip pastor with, you know, trying to do it better than someone else. Not running a show. No. So th- this is interesting to me because what, what you're saying is, look, we didn't have a strategy, but what I'm hearing is probably, you know, really more of a strategy than you realize, but but not being strategic about it. Yeah. What you're really doing is you're just doing a lot of what Jesus did. Mm-hmm. That is, you're, you're meeting with people. Yep. You know, Jesus, we, we often read of the one-on-one encounters, just time he was spending with people. Yeah. Um, eating meals with people. So here you are, like you said, I made friends with people. Mm-hmm. That was your strategy. Yeah. Without being strategic about it. Just naturally going in and just I'm making friends with people. Yeah. And I, th- I guess people think that I, like, I mean, I've read... Tons of stuff. I'm the type of guy where I yeah. would like have Wayne Grudem theology in my side of the bed. I read all this stuff about church. I was in a month-long church planning course. But our strategy was to just be listening to the Holy Spirit and doing what he says. Yeah. So that in of itself is a strategy. And so we yes. went in just like we purposely didn't start Sundays. We purposely just started playing music. You know, I was a worship pastor as well. And so um, for the last three years, we've been running an open mic in our community. And I love how I've seen friends uh, get to know us. Where we, I come from Northwest, which was for, for a long part the most unchurched state ever. So I grew up in the culture where it's actually, um, you don't yourself, introduce yourself as a pastor. You get cussed out as a pastor. It's not a right. hard thing. I right. like that. I wanted to go somewhere with that. So we just went in, met all of our friends, and eventually we had so many musician friends that we were hosting open mics and just meeting people and stuff and in the smoking section where no mm-hmm. one would, you know, no good Christian would be around them. And then finally one of them goes like, well, why are you here? What do you do? And um, my unsaved people are like, aren't you like a pastor? Could Why don't you do an Easter service for us? Hey, mm-hmm. if, if you do an Easter service, we'll, we'll all go to your thing. And so literally I was like, oh yeah, no, we'll totally do an Easter service. And then I go back to the, my room and start weeping and crying because I had no idea. Like, I had no help. I'm like, God, I'm like calling people. I need a team. I need to this and that. Like, you know. And so we just started meeting people, strategically going after people that no one was going after. And it was shotgun approach of not just, you know, we are gifted in music, but not just doing music, but relationship stuff, praying. And the, the, the vantage point for us is we had the mindset of a missionary. Like, we, we left... Washington State, we were born and raised, went 3,000 miles away, for the home, didn't know a soul, just to tell people about the gospel that Jesus mm-hmm. loves them. And so, although we're not in a different country, Delray is not only happening with recovery, it is very affluent. It is one of the pop spots like in South Florida. South Florida is like, like California, like 8 million people below, not even including Orlando, like below that. It's like a big suburb of Miami. So, it's so just, will you give our church plant some money? I got to stop you there. <laughs> oh, sorry, it was inappropriate. Continue. But I went, yeah. Whoever blows up first, then you, we can just we'll see what happens. <laughs> so, so uh, tell tell us a little bit about um, some of the stories because I know you've got stories I, about yeah. some of the the amazing ways that God got hold of people. Okay. Well, let me let me. I'll start stories. No. So mm, we're going to go into strategy, right? You said yeah, I was getting yeah, into teasing. meeting people. We basically started what, like with just a community group, right. gospel center community group, um, just meeting people and saying, we're going to, 
implant the gospel. Church planning. We have the Spirit of God inside of us. Mm. So my wife and I, two more gathered, we are the redeemed blood of, like, Jesus died for us. We're mm. the church. So we're going to go and just meet people, preach the gospel. We took a couple, handful of people that were either non-believers that got saved or people that found out, mm-hmm. and then we just started praying and um, started going into the mindset of, like, people need Jesus, and we do anything short of sin to reach people for the gospel. Mm-hmm. So even now, we've been doing services for two and a half years on Sunday, but I'm still playing music at the bar at one in the morning because yeah. people aren't going to those places, right? Christians at least. And so our community group, that was... I'll go to the bar with you at one in the morning. <laughs> yeah. And so our community group, we, we started just seeking God, and, um, and then we just started seeing miraculous things happen. So we would specifically like get five people and pray for those five non-state people and how can we reach them and, and, and do that stuff. But then we would pray for someone, and then three weeks later, they'd be in that group. And then two weeks later, they'd, they'd just stop the group and say... I didn't know the Christians act this way and do this, like, and start laughing. And then another two weeks later, that person would get baptized and Mm -hmm. saved. And so we just started seeing the power of God working in miraculous ways to the point of healings, uh, demonic stuff, like people being freed, like people would come into the church. That first Easter service we had, there was a Haitian man that did a 16-hour shift um, the day before. And he came to service and he goes, God woke me up today to, to say that I need to get saved at your church. Can you help me? And just looked at me. Mm. And, and so like a flyer doesn't do that. No. <laughs> the Spirit of God does it. We had another girl. We were passing out flyers. She saw flyers on the ground, picked up one, and left the other one on the ground thinking, I should go to this. But maybe someone else will pick this up on the ground. She came to that service. you know. And so it started getting just crazy. There was... Uh, seeking Jesus together, building your core team. And even in that core team, they started to see God work. So one one family uh, that was with the church for mm. three years, they uh, Anthony had testicular cancer, couldn't have children. And, uh, you know, we're, we're studying the Bible and saying, now, this is what, what would be some of those things if you're praying according to God's will that we would seek and ask. And we know he has a heart for people and loss and stuff. And, and everyone's going around. It's all like, you know how it is, like theological and, you know, everyone's like the theories and, oh, well, this person in that situation. And as soon as I zoom into Anthony, like my wife's demeanor goes down because everyone knows that they can't have kids. And, and they've been praying about it. And he goes, well, the one thing that I would really love for God to answer is like, I, we, we, we have the opportunity to baptize them both in our church. And yeah. he wanted to now like wanted to raise his kids up in God's way. And he had one, he wanted now like to have another one, but he couldn't. So they had saved some stuff uh, and we're starting that process. Mm. And in the moment, the Holy Spirit just like, let's just pray. And everyone's demeanor was down, but me and him, we had this get to faith. Like, yes, God is, let's pray. And so a month later, we, we prayed for them right there. We said, let's lay hands on them. We prayed for them, ask God to give them a baby. Um, and some people were thinking, like, oh, I hope they get a paycheck so he can go through that process. And we were very specific. A month later, they were pregnant. Yeah. A year later, we were dedicating the child, not in a Sunday service. We dedicated that child in that community group. Because awesome. everyone saw the power of God and how it was working. And so from the beginning, we started seeing this stuff. Mm. So then we just got crazy with, like, yeah. believing in God. 
and sing. Like we would have slides on Sunday service of just people's names and then they would show up and start weeping and say, my name's there. I need to give my life to Jesus. And you, you, you would have slides with people's names on them? Oh, yeah. Like you mean like to pray for them? Let oh, awesome. and, I, and you could check out our Facebook. Like there's still people that like I gave up on God. And today I came to service and the young man, Pastor Daniel, said, what you really need is to love Jesus. And I just said that to my friend yesterday. And so Natalia and Ronnie were praying for me. And they invited me. I was apathetic. I didn't want to go. But then I came and I saw my name on the Let's Pray slide. And this is exactly God spoke to me in a certain way. And like at the end of it, she's like, and after 11 years of running from God, he spoke to me and I surrendered. Yeah. And you're like, okay, this is awesome. And so we've just seen God answer so many prayers like that. And I think that's why we have so many crazy stories is because we just are so desperate. Yeah. And, um, you know, a lot of people want a miracle in their church, but they don't want uh, to be put in a position of a miracle. Yeah. And life and our church plant right now, even still, is just, <laughs> if it doesn't come up, do you like, it's Florida. Like just right now, it's Florida. Our AC went out. Our church building, AC went out. And so I don't even have a building this Sunday. Wow. And I have another guy that's leading community group. And we're just figuring out as this interview goes. But I just know. And here you are on the West Coast right now i'm on, on the, I'm on the other side yeah <laughs> so it's it, but it, but you know what god could do anything he'll Absolutely. figure it out and he's working right now in the midst and training people to trust in him rather than to trust in a you know redemption church and so it's been great it's been awesome to see god just literally the greatest miracle for me is seeing all the souls win over like we can have the healing stories but eventually we're all going to die the greatest healing is that gospel that, that jesus loves us so much amen and so, so many people, we're just, we're so grateful and of what God's doing in all of our lives that now we just expect that great miracle to do in anyone we meet. Amen. You know? Amen. Well, uh, man, it has been awesome having you on the show today. Thanks for sharing all that. We are running out of time, but Pete has a, a question to ask you. Can't who, should be I, who should I ask it of? That's not even a contest. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope for me. He's right. from the hood. Come on, he's got a fighting chance. Right, no, no, he's from the hood. Size matters he's not. He's from the hood, he's half black, so I got the question. Thank okay. you, I appreciate that. I, I got the question. The question is, if you were to get into a fist fight with Derwin Gray, who oh. would win? Have you seen his muscles? I know. <laughs> We've interviewed him. Okay, and, and they see what they can't say... What the the podcast listeners can see is, I don't work out and I'm skinny. <laughs> but the reason I don't work out is because I'm just constantly fasting and praying. So, because I'm in such a desperate need, so of course I would lose that bout. Well, 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 wait a second. You okay? You're a Holy Spirit guy. We've been having this whole Holy Spirit conversation. How do you know it's not going to be something like David's Mighty Men, right? Took on 300. Maybe a Holy Spirit comes and just whoops on Derwin Gray. That's through, that's through skinny Daniel Williams. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Well, in my flesh, I would, I would, I would try because I am from the hood. And I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a thug, so I would, I would totally go for it. But, but I would triumph in the right. spirit. That's, I'd scrap yes. until the finish, but I, I would, I'd probably get knocked out. Woo! 
be raised from the dead in all my miracle stories and then walk away. So Yeah, buddy. I dig we'll it. We'll see what happens. All right. That brought that a whole crazy. new angle to that question. <laughs> Derwin Gray is a big man. He is a mighty big and man. And he's full black. Hey. Well, I'm pretty sure you would pretty much... There's probably no church planner I can think of that could take him. I, I think you're right. I think we may have found. Didn't we? At one time, we gave Hugh Halter. I'm pretty, maybe, sure, I think I'm pretty Gray. sure Michael Frost would pull a knife, though. He would crush him. Oh, Gray we're talking about with weapons? No, no weapons. Because I'm I, saying, we'd say no weapons to Michael Frost, but he'd still pull a knife. But I mean, Derwin yeah. Gray would still kill anybody, regardless of what weapon. Wouldn't that guy like a linebacker? I don't know. Right? He will crush them. He's a big guy. Oh, yeah, like a human peanut. Just bam, gone. All right, I want to recant because it depends on who I hang out with. <laughs> because now we're talking about like the with I would, weapons. Yeah, I, oh, it'd be over weapons. All right, it's kind yeah. of like a, a, well, not that know, we're adding weapons, but if you had a weapon, did you ever see the anchor? What would be man? your weapon of choice, though? Do you ever see the anchor man? Just a simple twenty-two. He'd never see it coming. <laughs> did you ever see the anchor man? Oh yeah, the end of that movie when everyone's got the weapons, they got the baseball <laughs> bat, the the nails sticking out of it, and other okay. No. What movie was this? Anchor man. I didn't see that. Ron Burgundy. I saw the first one. It's actually I don't not. A, uh, I don't endorse this as the uh, hardcore church planning podcast. Uh, not a good movie to watch. But, I was uh, so holy, my memory erased the entire film from my brain. See, at our church, we take communion every week because <laughs> because <laughs> I'm not joking. Because I totally like that movie. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel dirty. I feel dirty saying it and stuff, but. We actually believe in the gospel. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so Best line ever off great. any interview was that last line. That was gold. All right, on that, thanks for being on the show, Daniel Williams. I'm convinced with a name like that, you got some Welsh blood in you somewhere. Thanks for coming on the show, and Arnold, sign us out. Remember, if you are called to church planting, go hardcore or go home. You've been listening to Hardcore Church Planting. Hardcore Church Planning has been brought to you by the Church Planner Podcast and the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the App Store for both Apple and Android devices. If you like this episode, leave us a positive review. If you didn't like this episode, we'll be happy to give you your money back.